verse 24. If you will stand with me for the reading of the word. Standing is your way of honoring the presence of the Lord, the reading of the word. What do I say when you go to the courthouse and the judge is getting ready to come in the courtroom? What do they do? Okay, that's the judge now. We respect the judge. We need the judge. But trust me, the judge cannot compare with the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So when we begin to speak the word of God, we need to know that God is certainly present and ready to go. Again, welcome all of our guests. Thank you for coming. Uh, we pray the Lord will speak to your heart and bless you today and that you will have a great experience. The presence of the Lord is in this house. This is one of those kind of church where God's presence will uh, be uh, evidence. It will it will sure, certainly manifest itself and God will let you know he's here. So you will feel different feelings today. And I'm telling you now that will be God speaking to your heart, touching your heart, directing you, because this is a church truly depend on the spirit of God and the word of God. That's what God is requesting from us, is commanding of us, that we look to him uh, in his word and by his spirit. And so we're not a religious group, but we're a godly spiritual group. Amen. Exodus, I'm sorry, that, that's what I read this morning. Man, how are we going to do that? <laughs> oh, I'm thinking about the Exodus. Oh, Lord help us. It's all right, though. We've got our minds filled with the word of God, and that's what God likes. John chapter 12, verse 24. Well, we'll start in 24. <laughs> oh, I gave, I gave the, um, uh, just 24, 24. Ah, 22. All right, 22. Now I'm going to have to do some work here. Okay, it's okay. It's okay. We'll, we'll do it together. What I said, John chapter 12, right? All right. You guys want to read. I like that. It's all good. We'll start in 22. We'll start in 22. All right. Verse 22 says, John chapter 12, verse, no, I don't need to read 22. Sorry. 24, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Amen. Here is something right off the bat. Let me tell you something. If you're feeling lonely, God is going to help us today. If you're always concerned about loneliness, it's because you're full of yourself. You complain, I don't have any friends. You complain, oh, you know, I never have anybody to talk to. You complain, I feel lonely by myself. But I'm telling you, the Word of God is point out, pointing out that you need to make sure you die. Because if you don't die, you abide alone. That's the word of God. So by us just focusing on us, we never die. We try to do everything we can to sustain us. 
which means we don't really pay attention to anybody else. We might think we do, but everything that we do outside of us is still to edify us. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hated his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. This is not good stuff. You, you know, we, we like to get into the Word of God so it tells us all these good things. And we skip the things that, uh, I don't like that. But all of it is good, and all of it is God's Word. And God wants to help us today, and I'm going to help you understand this. It might sound a little harsh and challenging and impossible, but I promise you I will help you before you leave today how to apply what we just read. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now the first thing I want to point out today before we even get into the Word of God, or getting to the preaching of the Word of God, is this. Christ love you. Love will not tempt you. Love will not treat you harshly. Love is kind. Love is gentle. Love is long-suffering. Christ love you. Somebody need to say, Christ love me. Point to you. Somebody else, everybody didn't do it. Say, Christ love me. He really does love you. You have to believe that. You have to know that, that he loves you. So whatever he's telling you in the word of God, it's for your very own good. Do you remember growing up and your parents said you need to do so and so and you just thought they were just evil for telling you that? How can they? My parents don't love me. But it was still good for you. Well, whatever Christ is telling you in his word, it is good for you. Pray with me. Jesus, you are already in this house, present and ready. Lord, we open our spirit to you and we say, do what only you can do. We don't want to leave this place today, Lord God, without a real encounter from you, without the word of God speaking directly to us and to our circumstances. Lord, we want your presence to be imminent, your presence to be manifested. We pray for demonstrations, miracles, signs, and wonders. Lord, we pray that you will hear our cry today as we seek after you and that you will move upon us. Lord, if you will and if you must, dispatch your angels that they will do your bidding in this congregation. We pray today, Lord God, that you will help us and that we will leave this place changed. We look to you, Lord God, the author 
author and finisher of our faith, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the way maker. We look to you, Lord God, and we say, let your will be done. Let thy kingdom come. Let thy will be done. For we surrender to you and look to you for all things. You are Jehovah Jireh. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are Jehovah, almighty, powerful God. Now, Lord, we ask that your will be done. Hear our cry and our prayers. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I read an article in the Ethiopian Herald entitled, What is the Real Meaning of Life? What is the real meaning of life? Here's what the article said. Life has different definition in the eyes of different people. There is no clear-cut definition for life. For some, life is all about building a family and leading the life as it is. For some, life is all about Accumulating wealth. For others, life is all about engaging in academic circle. Still for others, life is all about art. For many, life is all about love. For a few, life is all about religious practices. For philosophers, Like Aristotle, life is about happiness. Happiness is meaning, is the meaning and the purpose of life. The whole aim and end of human existence is happiness. Hence, life has different definition for different people. The meaning of life is relative as it differs from individual to individual. If one perceived the darkest part of his life, everything seems dark. However, if one perceived life from a positive perspective, life is sweet. For me, getting married and creating a family is my life, says the writer. The writer ended the article like this. I can't define life. I don't even know why I started this article. I wish if I could have the real meaning of life. I would be happy if someone articulate the concrete meaning of life. I wish I had the chance to meet Aristotle, Socrates, Nietzsche, or the greatest Ethiopian Ethiopian philosopher, Zara Yaakov. For this reason, I better leave the question to my readers, what really is the meaning of life? I thought, God, that's what we're struggling with. We're struggling with understanding the meaning of life. We're all trying to figure our way out. There's not a book that's been written uh, that, that tells you how to govern life. Or if there is, it, everybody still do what they feel they have to do. Because what we normally say is, you don't understand my circumstance. And so everybody live life according to what they say is their own set of circumstances. 
And so we're all trying to go on this journey figuring life out. We're all going on this journey trying to see how we can do life that have meaning to us, that make us feel complete, that make us feel satisfied. But can I tell you unequivocally this morning, whatsoever life you try to live on your own, it will leave you still dissatisfied. Countless people had the opportunity to be upon their deathbed and they still, when you ask them, what would you have done differently if you had to do this over again and they have so many answers vast oh i wish i would have spent more time with my children i wish i wouldn't have worked so much i wish i would have paid more attention to having fun a little bit more fun i wish i would have just enjoyed nature and so we have so many reasons or excuses as to what we wish we would have done before we die but i'm here to tell you this morning that however you decide Decide to live life. When your time comes for you to leave this world, you will leave this world dissatisfied. You will not be completely satisfied because you can never live life enough to completely satisfy yourself. How can you say that, preacher? The Bible says, God breathed into man's nostril. And man became a living soul. What that means is who you really are came from God himself. And nothing could be satisfied. You cannot be satisfied with nothing else except the creator of your soul. And so we're trying to live life void of the creator of our soul. And as long as we live life void of the creator of our soul, life will never be totally satisfying. Life will never be complete. It will always be incomplete without the creator of our soul. And so, in the book of John, chapter 14, verse 6, the creator of our soul, Jesus Christ himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I wonder how many people read that. We're seeking to live life the way we want, and the answer is in the Bible, because the creator of all things, the creator of people, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, which means he is life, and if we want to know life, we have to know him. He created life, and if we want to know life, we need to know him. He establishes life, and if we want to know life, we got to know him. He made the rules for life, and if we want to know life, we got to know him. We're living life how we think we should. We're living life in the best way we know how we like to say. But I'm here to tell you that could all change. And you can live a victorious life. You can live a successful life. You can live a peaceful life. You can live a satisfying life if you go to the source who is life himself. Because in the beginning there was no life. And then he breathed. And then there was life. He spoke and then there were life. Life came from him. In him is life. And the life that's in him became the life of us human beings. 
So what are we going to do about this life? Are we going to continue to go through this life frustrated? Are we going to continue to go through this life eeny, meeny, miny, mo? Trying to make some decisions but not sure. So we're, we're just, you know, like rolling the dice, playing Russian roulette because we really don't know because guess what? Nobody really told us. And even when people told us, they told us of their own circumstance. They told us of what they went through. But all of us are created differently. We all have different DNAs. We all have different things in us. And so the way you lived your life successfully may not be the right method for me. But the one that created life, he knows the hair on your head by number. So for every person sitting in this room today or standing in this room, Jesus Christ, your creator, knows the numbers of hair on your head. And if one fell out this morning when you were combing it, he knew what number that one was. And that's for every one of us in here, not just me, not just you, but all of us. And if he knows the hair on our heads by number, he knows every specific details about us. He knows everything you think before you even think it. He understands everything about you. You can tell your spouse, you don't really understand me. You can tell your children, you don't really understand me. You can tell whomever you want, you don't really understand me. But I'm telling you this morning, Jesus Christ, your creator, the king of kings, the author of salvation, he knows everything about you. He knows every intimate detail about you. He knows you're going. He knows you're coming. He knows when you're hurting. And nobody else knows. He knows when you're afraid. He knows when you're tired. He knows when you have struggles. He knows your financial situation. He knows who did you wrong. He knows what's going on in your life. There is nothing, nothing that he does not know about you. He knows everything about you. He has life in his hand. He knows all about life because he is life. This is why we have entitled this message today, The Exchanged Life. Do you want to exchange the life that you're living or are you content with the life you're living? Do you want to exchange it? Or you're saying, guess what? I'm good. I'm not really struggling financially. Uh, You know, I live in a nice home and, you know, I drive a nice car, you know. Uh, I have decent education, you know. Uh, I treat people good and things are going all right in my life, so I'm okay with this life. I need to remind you of this. The life that you're living now is temporary compared to the life you will live eternally. If we live, if we get to 70, we have seen the mercy of God. And anything above 70, oh man, God has really smiled upon us. Because we were only promised 70. Yes, we only promised 70. Anytime you get up 70 and above, oh man, you, you got some extra time going. And so, if we get anywhere around there, that's good. But that's only 70 years. If you get to 80, that's only 80 years. You get to 100, that's only 100 years. There's something that's called eternal life. 
There's something that's called everlasting life. And because your soul came from an everlasting God, you will live everlasting. It just depends on where you will live in everlasting. Jesus, he is the way to follow. He is the truth to obey. And he is the life to live. Jesus is the life to live. Why aren't we living the life? Let me talk to you a little bit. You can't live your life and sprinkle in a little Jesus and think you're living the way God wants you to live. That's what we're doing. This is, this is probably, this is probably what we do the most in North America, in Northeast. We, 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 we live our life the way we want, sprinkling a little Jesus and then pass our life off as we're living the life that Christ designed for us. We know all the code words. God is good. The Lord blessed me. He woke me up this morning. He started me on my way. We have all these code words that we're talking, you know. Oh, bless the Lord. God is good. We have all these code things we say that we like to share just to tell somebody, I am an individual that's living for Christ. Oh, really? Do you want us to go with the word of God to, 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 to see if we're living for Christ? Or do you want to just go with your definition? Can I tell you this? We have to be honest with ourselves in living for God. We're talking about our soul. We're not talking about some other things. We're not talking about your job. You know, you're smart, you're educated, and so guess what? You, you know, maybe you don't like your job, and you know, you might have worked your job for 20, 30 years, and after a while, either they lay you off or you don't like your job, and guess what? You can go find another job. You lose out on this life, you can't find another life. So, I'll rather deal with shame and embarrassment if I have to, just so I can get this life right. I am not going to deceive myself and get this wrong. I'm not going to try to be something that I'm not and get this wrong. I'm not going to try to impress you and get this wrong. I am doing what I have to do to get this right because I only have one shot at this. This is not a job. This is not some event that I'm doing. This is life. And I only have one shot at it. If I don't get it right, I am doomed for eternity. The life in Christ provide the surest model for our own life. We're looking for ways on how to live and be at peace and be successful and be able to feel like, you know, okay, I've got this thing going, but you're doing it on your own. You're trying to figure it out on your own. You're walking lonely by yourself. And Jesus has the answer in his book. And he wants you to know today why you must follow him. Why you must seek after him. And why you must live that life that he has designed for you to live. So how do we experience and model the life Jesus wants us to, to, to model instead of the one we are living? We must exchange the life we are living for the life Christ designed for us. What must 
We do. Here is the first thing you will have to do to exchange the life. Anybody want to exchange the life? About three, four? Everybody else good with their life? Okay. Can I tell you a secret? It won't be a secret no more. I can probably, whoever says this, I can probably agree with you. Ah, My life is pretty good. I can say that. I can say that if I want to measure it by our world standard. Yeah, I can say that. You know, look at us. All of us got iPhones. Most of us anyway. We got watches, Apple watches. We we got all this stuff. Most of us got a car we get around in. You You know, we eat what we want. You know... We do whatever we want. So most of us, our life is okay. So if you want to measure your life according to the standard of this world, oh, I'm doing all right. Oh, I'm doing all right because you're comparing yourself with everybody around you. If that's what you're doing, then you may be all right. But the question is, is it the life that Christ designed for you to live? Because he was the one that gave you life. He was the one that gave you your soul. I've been saying this, and I will continue to say this. God's gift to us was life. Our gift to him is what we do with that life. Are you giving any gift to God? Oh, my, my, my. We like to do our own thing, and so God has given us this life. And guess what we do? We walk around. You only live once. Enjoy yourself. Mm, I, I, you know, listen, you know, I, I, I surf the book. I surf the book and I watch everybody. Please, I'm going to make sure I enjoy myself. I'm going to make sure I enjoy my family. I'm going to I hear it all. I'm going to make sure I do everything I can. Sometimes I just want to slide in and says, Jesus approved of that. Are you trying to live for Jesus or are you trying to live for yourself? And so we always brag about, you know, stuff that we're doing and what we're enjoying. The things that, you know, are so great in life. Oh, this is so good and that's so good. Listen, we'll, I'll get to that in just a little bit. But don't think that you living the life Christ designed for you is going to make you live a miserable life in this world. <laughs> that's what many of us are challenged with. We think If I start going to church, if I give my life to Christ, now all of a sudden I'm going to live a boring, dead life and I won't be able to do nothing. We danced in that place. We sang in that place. We shouted in that place. We experienced miracles in that place. We had a great time. And when we were done, we hung out with friends and we just chatted up and we had a great time. It was a wonderful trip. That wasn't boring to me. I had a great time. But we think living for Christ, that boring stuff, I ain't doing that. I can't be going to church every Sunday. Y'all got quiet on me. Yeah, you know we say that. I got stuff to do on Sundays. On Saturdays, I do my, uh, my errands, and Sunday is my day to relax. Yes, that's what we say. 
and we forget that that breath that's in our lungs, there's one that's responsible for it. It's not you or your mom or your dad. They're not responsible for the breath that's in your lung. There's only one that's responsible for it. And if he wasn't loving and kind, he would say to you, you think you can make it without me? We can't make it without him. So what is it worth to just honor him, to worship him, to praise him, to come into a place with other believers and just together begin to exalt his name and songs and, and dance and singing and shouting and running and dancing and, and being excited for who he is to you and what he's done in your life. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with how he has been to us while we don't show it back to him? Let me move along. The one we don't even understand, we need to understand the life that he has designed for us. We must die to this life if we want to begin to live the life God designed for us. This life we're living, listen, we're living this life that we don't even understand. We're living this life that only have meaning to us. Tease my wife. Some people do this. Some of you people do it. She get mad at me when I wear my shoes in the house. Take your shoes off. You're bringing stuff on your shoes and the kids walk around. Got some of you that do that, yeah. We have all these different things. That's your life. That means something to you. And I'm not saying it's... I'm not, saying, I'm not trying to get no excuse out of that. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying we come up with these ways of living because it's our life. Right? But the question still is, what is it going to profit you for living the life you're living? Are you just going to keep living it and one day you die and then that was it? All she wrote? We must die to the life that we're currently living and become born again. And now we will begin to start the life that Christ has for us. So if you're looking to exchange your life, you have to die to this current life and be resurrected to a life in Christ. The Bible says we must be born again of the water and of the spirit to enter into the kingdom of God. To start that new life. If you're not born again of the water and of the spirit, you cannot start the new life that he has designed for you to live. And so today I'm telling you, confessing and believing is the beginning. But you must continue. You must repent of your sins. You must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for your sins to be washed away. God promised he will fill us with his spirit and that is the beginning of this new life. This life that he wants you to have. This life that he's designed for you. He's saying that you have to die to the life you've been living and now you must be born again into a new life. That's why nobody can get to heaven and live for God without being born again. Why born again? Because you have to die in order to be born. You can't be born while you're living. Try that one. Try to be born while you're living. 
No, you have to stop existing. Somebody getting this. You have to cease to exist in order to start over. This is why the Bible says you must be born again. He didn't say be born again because God wanted to come up with some religious way. No, he's teaching us how to inherit this new life. He's teaching us how to live this new life and no longer live the life that will lead to destruction. Hmm. Listen to this. If Jesus did not die, he would not have produced the harvest that he did which is us. Can I just slide something in real quick? When did the New Testament start in the Bible? We like to think it started Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The New Testament didn't, didn't start until Jesus died and rose. Because the will cannot be executed until the, the testator of the will is gone. Right? When somebody write a will... As long as you're living, that will cannot be executed. Right? And so it's when they're gone, the will start getting executed. Right? So it wasn't until Jesus ascended, then is when his testament started. His will started when he left here. It started getting executed when he left here. And so what he's telling us, when you look now to understand where it starts for us, the New Testament church, it starts with being born again. It starts with that experience in the upper room, in the Bible, in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42. It tells you that now is how we become born again, that we must recognize that Jesus is the Lord, that Jesus is God. Manifest in flesh. Jesus is not the second person in the Trinity. Jesus is not the third person in the Trinity. Jesus is God Himself. But you could not see God. Also, God says, Because you can't see me, I will manifest myself as a human so you can now know me, so you can now understand me. Because if I stay invisible, you will never be able to understand me. You can't commune with spirit and really get to know spirit. But when I became a man, I became a baby, I was born to the virgin, I grew as a child, became a man, and all through the circumstance, I was God Almighty. I was praying as a man, but answered prayers as God. I was living as a man, but operated as God. Jesus Christ is the Almighty God. Manifest so you can see Him, so you can know him and you can understand him. The things God went through so you and I can have this life that he promised us is just mind boggling the things that he went through. He died so we can live. This is why it's called the exchange life. Because what he's saying is, I'm going to take your place, can you take my place? 
Are we understanding that? Are we understanding that he looked and saw the life that we were living was going to lead us to destruction, to eternal damnation? He looked and saw it and says, I created you and I love you too much to let you die and be destroyed. So I will come down there and instead of you dying and being destroyed, I'm going to die and be destroyed so you can live and never be destroyed. And so he came. That's why he had to manifest himself. Can I just slide this in real quick? He wouldn't be a nice God if he let his son come down and die for him. Remember that. For everybody that thinks the son of God is some different person, listen to me. You cannot be a nice person and send your kids to do what you're supposed to do. That, just keep that in mind so when people try to confuse you with, with understanding that God is one, all you say is, well, how can God send his son to die for us? I mean, his son, you know, why wouldn't the father die? Right? If a robber come in my house, I'm not pushing my son, my son's in the front and I stay in the back. I'm a wimpy dad. So that's why you know it wasn't a separate one. It was God that says, I'm gonna come down to earth, but I have to come legally. And so I have to go through the birth process. Still be God. I have to go through the birth process. I can't send no child. First of all, how was a child going to be um, in heaven when there was no woman? I don't know. I don't know how we. I don't know how we get into all of that stuff. I wish we would get the right thing. How was a son going to be born in heaven? So we saying he sent his son from heaven? No, he was only called son because he had a mother in the earth. So why was Jesus called the son of God even though he was God? Because he was Mary's son. He was Joseph's stepson. So he had to be called a son. And we're getting it confused like, well, the son of God. Yeah, the son of God is God. But he's the son of Mary. He's God's son because he became a child in this world. We'll move on. We won't, if you want to talk a little bit more after church about that, I will be, I will be glad to talk to you about it because I'm talking about an exchange life. I'm talking about the life that you're living. Are you going to exchange it for the one God designed for you or are you just going to keep on living the one you want to live? Listen, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Holy Spirit. We like to think that there will be a day and a time that will come that we will finally give our life to God. I gave my life to Jesus Christ at 26. You think I want to give my life to God at 26? We started drinking at 21. That's only five years of drinking. That's only five years of just living the life, going all over the world. You think I want to give my life to God at 26? That made no sense to me. I was supposed to wait till I was like 50 or 60. Y'all got to get this. We be thinking, oh, I know what I'm going to give my life to God. No, I didn't want to give my life to God at 26. But when he came knocking, I had no choice but to answer the call and say, here I am, Lord. I give my life to you. I'm not waiting till I'm 50 because there ain't no 50 promise to me. You want my life now? Here it is, Lord. For those of us that are trying to wait till we get to a certain age or we're trying to wait for a certain time, I'm here to tell you today, God didn't call me to preach this sermon so you can put off your life to give to him for next week or next month or a year from now or ten years from now. He called me to preach this message to tell you, give your life to him now. Exchange your life today because tomorrow is not promised unto you.
thinking I want to give God my life at no 26. No. That's, 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 that, that don't make sense to us. You see what I mean? That we live our own thing and do our own thing and we have all these ideas floating around and we're trying to achieve them all on our own. And we don't realize that, listen, that's not God's plan for your life. His ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. When you come into a church like this where you sense the presence of God and you're hearing the word of God that can apply to your life, uh, you need to respond to it because you don't know, uh, oh God, help me today. Let me tell you something. Uh, you don't go to every church around. Go visit all the churches in Hamilton uh, and all the surrounding area. And you go, if you want to start a, a mission, go visit all the churches in Hamilton and come back and tell me what do you feel in those churches. Come back and tell me what are you hearing in those churches. I am not trying to downplay any other church. I just know what God is doing in this church. And I know what we're doing. We're preaching the word of God. We have the spirit of God. We're hearing from heaven. I'm hearing the voice of God at times. He's speaking. And all I can do is echo what he's saying so you can hear. What a place to be where you know I'm really hearing from God. I'm really hearing from heaven. The spirit of God is really moving me. And I need to respond to God. That's one of the reasons that conference we went to, man, the stuff that we were, oh my God. The man that preached, he said, this is what the man that preached said on Friday, on Thursday night. He said, going to Thailand and overseas all his life, he has witnessed every kind of miracle that is done, that was done in the Bible except for one. It don't count, but it was funny. The only miracle Jack Cunningham said he has never witnessed in person is the one where Paul was preaching all night long and the guy was sitting on the window ledge and fell out the window. He said, that's the only miracle I've never witnessed. But he has witnessed the dead coming alive, so it's the same thing. But he just never witnessed someone sitting in the window and falling out and breaking his neck and then somebody going down and lay hands on him and he gets his neck healed and get back up. He never witnessed that one. So we better understand that God is wanting to do powerful things among us. I am going to bring this to a close here. You and I will not produce any fruit if we don't die to this life that please us and be born into the life that God has for us. So how do we die in this life? Romans chapter 6. Look at Romans chapter 6, verse 3. I'm giving you biblical instruction in the Word of God. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 says, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? You want to know how to die? Get baptized. You ever watch somebody get baptized? We're not talking about sprinkled. No, no, no. We're not talking about sprinkled. Yes, they get immersed. And so if you watch, when that person go down, it really does look like a burial. It look like They go underwater, they get immersed underwater, and they go under, and it's like you don't see them, they're underwater. It's like throwing dirt on them. It's like they're gone. And then when you bring them back up, you're like, whoa, that's kind of cool. And so we take that all for granted, but that's what the Bible is teaching us, that when we get baptized into Christ, we are buried with him. So that's why baptism is important. You can't just confess and say you believe and then walk out today and says, I'm saved. I went to that church. I felt the spirit of God. I confess and I'm saved. The process was started, but you're not saved. 
Okay, the process was started. I will never take that away from you. Believing and trusting and recognizing Jesus Christ as Lord, that starts the process. But that's not the complete process. And so the Bible says, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So, here it is. When you repent of your sins, when you are baptized in Jesus' name, and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, you start that new life that He has designed for you. You're now walking in a new life that He has designed for you. A life that will create for you or give to you eternal life. We have to die to this life to experience the new life. This new life is a life of peace. I see a lot of people don't have peace. And I'm sitting around like, my God, I thank you for your peace because I don't get worried about nothing because I know who Jesus is. I know who my creator is. And so this life, this new life that he will give to you, it will be a life of peace. It will be a life of joy. It will be a life where you will no longer be controlled by your destructive behavior. Our flesh controls our world our actions and if you give your life to Christ and take on this new life your desires of destruction will no longer control you they will come up and try to control you but the spirit of God in you will constrain you to do what's right you will no longer carry around those burdens that are weighing you down you will know God is with you and God is working on your behalf that's what you will know with this new life. Let me tell you this. Many of you are quoting what you know God said in the Bible, but you have no faith that it's happening in your life. Because you know you have not aligned yourself with the life that he promised you. And so you're saying stuff, but you don't even believe it. Because you know you're not walking the life that you should live. So guess what? You're just saying words. And so the peace that you need to experience, you're not experiencing it because you just saying words because you haven't been acting upon the word of God. You, you, you know God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But, but when problems are going on, listen, here's our reading. I'll be done in a little bit. Here's our reading this morning. When God met Moses and eventually Aaron and tell him to go talk to Pharaoh, let my people go. Here is, here is a nugget for you. When Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and say, God said, let my people go so they can serve me. What did Pharaoh do the first go around? He talked bad about God and then caused their work to get harder. Okay, so what you're supposed to get is when God promised to do something, it's going to get harder before it becomes better. 
But all of us start panicking and running for cover and forgot that God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will deliver you and I will be your God. He said that. You heard me preach that. But as the circumstance gets out of control, you stop believing God. You stop trusting God and you walk away from God. I thought you heard me say that. And the Bible said, he will never leave me nor forsake me. Then why are you panicking? Why are you panicking? Why are you panicking? Why are you behaving the way you're behaving when God already made you a promise? Why are you acting like you're acting when God already said, I love you and I died for you? Why are you operating like that? It means that you don't really. Yep. They got mad at Moses and Aaron. You all just messing us up. Because now we got extra work because you want to go open your mouth to God said. Every time God is going to do something great in your life, trouble comes first. I wish we would get this. Every time God is getting ready to do something miraculous in your life, trouble will come. Trouble will come. The devil will try to get you off track. The circumstances will begin to get bigger and worse. And you're going to say, man, I can't believe God is in this. Well, learn the ways of God. As soon as God promised you anything, as soon as God is ready to do something, here come problems. Remember this. God is talking to somebody in here. Remember this. Uh, tomorrow or Wednesday when that problem come, remember you was in church uh, and the pastor was preaching uh, and he says the trouble is here because God is getting ready to do something in my life. Uh, I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to criticize. I'm not going to get uncomfortable. I'm just going to say, God, I trust you. I trust your word. I heard what the preacher said. I'm standing right here. I'm not going anywhere. I know you will keep me. I know you will deliver me. I know you will sustain me. I know you will bless me. Somebody give God some praise. Thank Him right now. Come on, go ahead and thank Him. Oh God, we thank You today. Oh God, we give You honor and praise. We know, Lord God, that You're with us. We know that You are for us. We know that You have kept us and will continue to keep us. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. The process for the new life for some of us, the process is baptism. That's the, that's the process to start the new life so you can be resurrected to the new life. You have to die to the old life. But here is what it is for some of us. And these are some of us that's been Christians now. For others who have been baptized but not experiencing the new life, your process is crucifixion. Crucifixion. Jesus Christ was crucified so we could have this new life. And some of us have repented of our sins and been baptized in Jesus' name. Some have the Holy Spirit. Some don't have the Holy Spirit. But we're not experiencing this new life that God promised for us. And God wants me to tell you this morning, you need to crucify your flesh. You need to crucify your flesh. When Jesus was crucified, He was hung on the cross and His arms were stretched wide and His legs were crossed and nailed in. Oh, His flesh was on the cross, but His spirit traveled up. 
in the devil's den. His spirit traveled in the world while he was on the cross. And so while he was hung on the cross, he was still doing work spiritually. And that flesh had no power over him. If you will crucify that flesh, if you will put that flesh on the cross and nail it, you know how you do that? You need to fast, just like we just did. You need to fast for a few days and weaken your flesh so your flesh have no power over you, so your flesh don't control you. And when you do that, you will experience new life. You will experience the power of God in your life when you stop eating and say, God, this flesh going to die. I'm going to crucify it. Do you know your biggest obstacle in living a victorious life in Christ is your flesh. It ain't the devil. We blame the devil for things the devil don't do and he stand back and smile. The biggest struggle you will ever have, the biggest obstacle you will ever deal with is your very own flesh. Because whatever your flesh experience, it wants to experience again. Whatever your flesh wants, it moves you to do it. And some days you got to tell the flesh, I know you want me to be hungry, but I'm telling you right now, you're not eating. Because I have control over you. You don't have control over me. I'm finishing up. When God created us, He created us spirit, soul, and body. That's how He created us. Then when we sinned against Him, our spirit ceased to do what it's supposed to do. Because how we are supposed to order our life is by spirit, soul, and body. What do you mean by that, preacher? Since our spirit that God gave us originally died when we sinned, that's why we need the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is supposed to send signal to your soul. Your soul is really who you are. Your soul is your emotion, your will, and your reasoning. So whatever you're feeling, however you reason, oh, the things that you will make yourself do, that's because your soul is doing it. So when we messed up and no longer had the pure spirit of God working in us, we needed the Holy Spirit. And how God intend for us to communicate and to operate and to, and to govern our life is that the Holy Spirit will tell the soul what to do and the soul will tell the body what to do. If we allow our being to function like that where the Holy Spirit is sending signal to our soul and our soul is sending signal to the body, then we will live the proper life in Christ because the Spirit who is God himself cannot lie, cannot do wrong, cannot lead you astray. So if the Spirit of God is communicating to your soul, which is your will, your reason, your mind, then guess what? Your will, your reason will begin to do right. And when you begin to make decisions within your soul, it will tell your body how to operate. But how we've been communicating is the way I feel. Body. We, we communicate from outside in when we're supposed to communicate from inside out. That's how God made us. And so what we do now, oh, I feel like I can take a drink today. I need a glass of wine. And so now the body just dictated what you're going to do. So you, the body is telling the soul how to operate. And the soul is telling, uh, oh, God, what to do. And so what we are doing when we don't live for God is uh, we're being God all on our own. Because we're letting our body control uh, what the soul uh, and what the 
Spirit of God needs to do. And God say, uh-uh, I will have no part in that. You will not control me. I am your creator. You're not my creator. And so what I do is what I do. And if you try to control me, I will just leave you alone. You want to know why we're not feeling God? You want to know why we're not experiencing God? Because we're doing what we want, how we want, and when we want. And so as long as we try to do whatever we want, how we want, we can't feel God. Because God is God all by himself. And he will not be controlled by the people that he made. Will you allow your children to control you? So why do you think God is going to let us control him? And that's how we've been living our life, trying to control God. I'm finished. I'm finished. So for some of us, we need to repent of our sins. We need to be baptized. We need to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and start that new life. For others of us that's done that process, but we're struggling, we need to go back to the cross, as the old time people used to say, and we got to crucify that flesh. We got to fast and leave that flesh, that flesh on the cross and now let the power of God to guide and lead our life. When we crucify our flesh, we no longer live a life subject to the flesh. Paul says even though he crucified the flesh, he still, he, he is no longer living, but it's Christ who lives in him. When your flesh has no power, then the Spirit of God is in control. That's why we fast. You don't fast to control God. I'm going to fast so God can do this. There you go being God again. You fast to let God have control in your life. So when you kill the flesh, your greatest obstacle, now you give God the, the, the opportunity to be God of your life. The spirit that's in you is what dominates you. But as long as that flesh is out of control, God cannot control you. Listen, our when the spirit of Christ lives in you, and rule your life, you will live a life of faith. Somebody say faith. Faith. That's the final thing I have to say to you as I bring this thing to a close. When Christ is in you and ruling in your life, you're living a life of faith. First of all, how do you get faith? The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you keep God dropped this in my spirit this morning. You don't have faith. We don't have faith. We're not seeing the miracles because we lack faith. You want me to tell you how I know? The only time we're hearing the word of God, most of us, is when we come to church. And the Bible says faith coming by hearing and hearing the word of God. So what it means is the more you hear the word, the more faith you have. The less you hear the word, the less So the amount of time that we're spending doing all the other stuff, we're not hearing the word of God, so we're lacking faith. So we're lacking the match, the igniter to get God moving. God moves when he is ignited by faith. God operates when faith is in action and most of us are operating in our flesh because we're doing more of fleshly things than we are spiritual things. And so you're, you're wondering why we're not experiencing the things of God that we need to experience. Here it is. We have to put more time in hearing the word of God. Now that we have technology, why don't you download the Bible app audio? 
You can spend a whole lot of time surfing on Facebook. Just download the Bible app audio and just push play. You're getting faith. You're getting faith. You're getting faith because you're hearing the word of God. And when you hear the word of God, you obtain faith. And when you obtain faith, now all of a sudden you're seeing things happen in your life because you're operating now by faith and not by sight and not by your flesh and not by your emotions. Here we go. So when the spirit of Christ lives in you and rule your life, you will live by faith. You live by faith. When you live by faith, you have complete assurance in Christ. You don't guess. I'm not guessing that we will get a church building soon. Live by faith. I'm not guessing that. I have complete assurance in that. And, and I like to tell everybody, let's remember this. I love how God operates. I've learned a lot about God. And so God, enjoy the journey. When you have faith, you enjoy the journey. And so what you do is you just know where you are is not where you're going to continue to be. It's a journey that you're traveling. And just enjoy. Smell the roses and the lilies as you're going by. Stop rushing to go here and go there. That's not how God operates. He is the one that's leading you on the journey and you're rolling with him. Just take your time and stroll through and check the lilies out and check out the roses and, and just check out the flowers. God, God wants you to enjoy the journey. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me. In the presence of my enemy, thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I am going to smell the roses. I'm not going to worry about my present situation. God is with me, and God is for me, and it doesn't matter what I'm going through, it's all temporary. Will you stand with me today? An exchanged life. God responds to faith. He don't respond to your emotion. He responds to faith. And if we will trust God, can I tell you this? God wants to do the miraculous in your life. There is nothing too hard in your life that God can't work it out. God will work out any circumstance, any situation, any trial, anything in your life that you're concerned about. God wants to work it out. But he's going to work it out his way and not your way. His way is you need to operate in faith. His way is you need to obey his word. His way is you need to trust him completely and he will do what he said he will do. You will... Not have to worry when you operate in faith. When you operate in faith, you will believe and obey the word of God. When you operate in faith, you will not question God's word, actions, or anything like that. Don't get to a place where God is trying to deliver you and bring you through something and you put a line in the sand. No, I'm not doing that. I remember the king... Uh, Naaman had leprosy 
And the prophet told him he had to go dip in the river seven times, the dirty Jordan. The Jordan River is dirty. I saw it for myself. And he had to go dip in the Jordan seven times. And because he was this big timer, king, he's like, man, I'm not going there. Guess what? Leprosy was still with him. And he lived with the leprosy long enough till he got to the place where he realized, if I'm ever going to get rid of this leprosy, I'm going to have to do what the prophet says. And so he finally did what the prophet said. He went to the Jordan River, and he dipped seven times. And when he came up the seventh time, no leprosy. He was whole again. All I can tell you is, God only does things his way. And you might not agree with it, but it's God's game. It's God's life. It's God that's in control. And we don't always understand how he does things. When I sit around and I hear people start saying, well, why God this and why God that? I smile and I say, well, they have a little ways to go because they don't know who God is. Because when you understand he's absolute, all-powerful, and you know he's absolute, all-knowing, I don't waste my time unless it's something that I have to minister about and I don't understand it. I don't waste my time asking God's question. Like, God, you all-powerful, all-knowing. I don't have time to ask you. You know what you're doing. My job is to obey. Your job is to do what you do. I don't have time to be asking God, well, God, how and why you do this? Who am I? Who am I that I'm going to be challenging God, why and who? No, I'm just this lowly old dude that he made. Had he, he, he allowed me to exist. I am nothing comparing to the almighty God. It's in him. Do I live and move and have my being? It's in him. So everything about my life, it's in him. What am I worrying about? What am I questioning about? What am I concerned? And, and, and like, well, I don't know about that. And are you challenging the scriptures? Why? God is almighty. And I'm just going to trust him. If you want an exchange life today, why don't you step out and come to the front and let me pray with you and for you. God wants to do something in your life. If you want an exchange life, if you want to live a different kind of life, and I'm not telling you nothing is wrong with your life. I'm not telling you your life is messed up. I'm just telling you God wants you to live a life that is so amazing, a life that is fulfilled, a life that is victorious, a life that will be totally satisfying. God wants you to live that kind of life. And it's not his will that you're struggling with things that don't concern him. The only time we're supposed to suffer and struggle is regarding the things of God. Because a lot of times when you try to do the things of God in this world, it's challenging. People reject you. People give you a hard time so you'll suffer at times for doing the things of God but but when you live for God you won't God will not allow you to struggle with things that have no meaning and so God is not wanting for your life to be filled with struggles and 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 weighted down with stuff that you don't need to have weighted down it's not God's will that those things should happen in your life God wants you to be successful God wants you to be victorious God wants you to live a clean life God wants you to live a life Life without weights weighing you down. God wants you to live a life where you know He's with you and He's doing miracles in your life. That's what God wants for you. And so He doesn't want you to go through all of some of the things many of us are going through today. So I want you... 
to bow your heads with me and open up your heart and mind to God. I want you to operate in faith and whatever you are needing God to do so you can obtain that life that God has for you. You can obtain it today. And I'm going to move about and I'm going to pray for you. And I want God to do something special in your life. There's some of you today that you're in a, a situation and God is going to deliver you out of that situation because God's will is for you to live the life He wants you to live. Not to live the life that you're struggling in. And so today I pray in the name of Jesus. Pray with me. Look to the Lord in the name of Jesus. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, it is not your will that we should live a reckless life. It is not your will that we should live a life, Lord God, that is leading us to naught and nothing. But it is your will that we live a victorious life, a life in you. And so I pray today that the power of God will overshadow this man. And that, Lord, you will work a work in his life and he will never be the same again. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, I bind the spirit of worrying. I bind the spirit of worrying in the name of Jesus Christ. That from this moment on, God, your peace that passes all understanding will come upon her. I bind worrying and I cast worrying in outer darkness. I release you today from the strongholds that you have been in. I release you today in the name of Jesus Christ according to the authority of the word of God and the power of the name of Jesus. I release you today that you will experience the life that Christ have intended for you. That you will experience liberty. That you will experience a life that is pleasing. A life that is victorious. A life where you will know that God is with you a life of faith. Today, I want you to call those things that are not as though they were. God wants me to tell you, take your eyes off the things that you see and put your eyes on Him. He says it doesn't matter what you see because He's the almighty, all-powerful God that will change what you see to what it will be. And so He said, get your eyes off the things you have put your eyes on. Take your eyes off for this day. He wants you to see Him. He wants you to see what He will do in the name of Jesus. 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 Lord, today I pray for faith to operate. I pray, Lord God, that the will of God will be done. Faith and the will of God. Lead her in the path of righteousness for your name's sake, Lord God. I pray that you will stand on your promises, stand on your word, and that you will experience truth, Lord God, and righteousness, and holiness. Lord, I pray that you will use her as you said you will, Lord God. Use her, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, give him wisdom. Lord, give him knowledge. Lord, take away the desires that are ungodly. Take away the desires that are unrighteous. Take away the desires of destruction uh, and place in Him uh, the desires of God. Place in Him uh, the life that you have uh, in store for Him. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Blessed be your name, Lord. Blessed be your name, Lord. Blessed be your name, Lord. In the name of Jesus. I pray today for your breakthrough. 
I pray for your breakthrough that God will destroy the yoke of bondage. That God will destroy the strongholds. That God will lead you in the path of righteousness. That you will be totally liberated and free in the Holy Ghost. And that God will do a work in you that will overshadow you. That you will never be the same again. That God will use you as an instrument and a vessel to bring honor and glory unto Him. Today, I set you free by the authority of the Word of God and the power of the name of Jesus. Be free. Be liberated. Oh, Walk in your authority. Walk in the power of God's might. uh, That you will never be the same again. That you will never be the same again. Uh, I transmit to you the authority and the power of God. Uh, I pray in the name of Jesus that you uh, will walk by faith and not by sight. That you will call those things that are not uh, as though they were. That you will trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, Lead not to your own understanding. But in all your ways uh, acknowledge Him that He may direct your path. Uh, In the name. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. God has so much in store for you. God said he's going to move you forward. Trust him and obey him. He says, I'm going to move you forward. I'm going to move you forward. He's going to move you forward. He's going to move you forward. He says, step out. Step out. He said, He said, as Peter stepped out of that boat, I want you to step out of your comfort zone and come forth. Yes, He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's going to do some great things. He's going to make you a counselor to many. He's going to make you a counselor to many. Oh, hear the voice of God and do what He says. This is a new day. This is a new beginning for you. Trust in the Lord and He will direct your path. In the name of Jesus, I pray today, Lord God, that the power of the Holy Ghost will overshadow your child in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. Father, have your way. Father, have your way. God brought you here. God said the answers that you need is right here. It's in this house. He said, I will lead you in the path of righteousness. Ah. God just told me he's, the, he's protecting you from something. He, he's, he's shielding you from something. You came here today because God led you here. He, he's shielding you. He's, he's preserving your life. <laughs> no weapon formed against you will prosper. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Satan had a trap for you. He's trying to destroy you. But God has stepped in. And God says, I will defend you. I will be your shield and your buckler. You're exceeding and great reward. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. He will keep you. He will up.